we present the news quiz with your chairman, Simon Hoggart. Hello and welcome again to the news quiz. We start with a clipping from the South Manchester Express, read by Charlotte Green. Racing cart, suit, helmet, spare tyres, spoilt brat, lost interest, real bargain, the lot, £600, with or without brat. <laughs> Thanks to Michael Escrete of Manchester for that. Now let's meet the teams. Welcome, please, first on my right, Jeremy Hardy and Linda Smith. <laughs> and facing them on my left, Alan Corran and Oliver Pritchett. Jeremy, which turkeys will soon be voting for Christmas? Will this be the House of Lords? Mm. Mm. People are very critical of hereditary peers, but they, I mean, they've got their faults, but some of those faults have been in the family for generations. <laughs> um, and they, they've got to be got rid of. But the trouble is, in the interim period, before Labour decides whether to have a partly elected House by alternative vote or single transferable vote or a shortlist drawn up by the NEC and submitted to the public in a referendum... In the interim, we'll just have Blair's mates. <laughs> so we may be harking back to the drooling Toffs rather nostalgically. But how's he going to get it through? Because any time the House of Lords says boot him, he goes, oh, sorry, I won't do that then. Because they did that with gay rights, didn't they? They said, oh, we can't have this. The only way to secure the sanctity of a young man's back passage is a spell in prison. <laughs> and, uh, and he just gave up. So presumably, when they say you can't have your, your banning hereditary peers, then he'll give up. Yes, <laughs> Yes, it was a debate on reform of the House of Lords, led by Baroness Jay, daughter of the last Labour Prime Minister, Lord Callaghan, in a manner reminiscent of Sonny Jim's leadership, Lady Jay's plan to kick hereditary peers out of the chamber will once more lead to rubbish piling up in the streets. <laughs> Linda, where did the blues bond with the pastels and pinks at the seaside? Uh, this is the uh, Tories' rather tragic outward-bound course thing that they do, and uh, they want to just be... I suppose, seen as modern and trendy and young and everything, so they go to Eastbourne <laughs> and wear jumpers. Uh, so that's what they're doing. They want to find out who they are, because no one else seems to know. They had a poll, didn't they, that they'd done an internal audit to find out why they lost the election, and they've, they've worked out that it was because of people voting against them. <laughs> and, and not evil spirits, as they thought before. <laughs> Last year's gathering of polo-necked politicos resembled the annual Val Dunican look-alike convention. So this year, the neckwear emphasis was deliberately toned down. A V-neck for Brian Mulwiney, a halter for Virginia Bottomley, and a noose for Ken Clark. <laughs> Nevertheless, he... He had a polo neck, though, didn't he? Ken? Uh, no, uh, Brian Mulwiney. He had a little polo neck under his V-neck. A polo neck under his V-neck? Yeah, yeah, he did. Like a bloated Jason King. <laughs> and a turtleneck under that, but that was skin. <laughs> <laughs> Eastbourne was considered a great success. One MP actually did say, Paul Gascoigne has gone for a drying out session. That's what we're doing here. The main difference is that Paul Gascoigne stands a genuine chance of recovery. <laughs> Two points, Linda. Oliver, why might plain brown envelopes now have to carry a return address? Yes, money for... Who could just say yes? You've got to answer the question. <laughs> You're going to be in a chance of winning the Mondeo at the end of the show. <laughs> Oh, yes, oh, I know what it is. This is the uh, Standards in Public Life, Lord Neil, payments to political parties, contributions, and so on. And it's all going to be clean from now on. 
nobody has said who's paid Lord Neil for all this. <laughs> and how is he picked anyway? So I think there should probably be a public inquiry into that. Conducted by Neil Hamilton. <laughs> he wants to have unbiased referendums, doesn't he? Referendums or referenda, let the listener decide. But, um... Yeah, it seems a bit odd, because the whole point of referendum is to get the government off the hook, which you can tell by the wording, because it always says, do you think that, A, Her Majesty's government is right to make this bold but tough choice and bring Britain into the 21st century, or, B, agree with the moaners and carpers who are just <laughs> deluded cretins who have no right to vote in a referendum anyway? Yes, it was a Neil report on Sanders in Public Life which recommended a spending cap on political parties during election campaigns. Labour said it had no problem with the proposed £20 million ceiling, pointing out that Lord Irving already has one. <laughs> Alan, listen to this. was Gangster's Paradise by Coolio featuring L.V. Alan, whose views on Britain are absolutely criminal? Uh, this is not one about our crime rates going up and down in the same week. Yes. Yeah, it's very odd on Monday. Uh, apparently we're topping more people than ever get topped in the middle of New York. But in fact, by Tuesday, everything was going really rather well, rather swimmingly. <laughs> it's all about stuff not being reported. But it depends what you call crime. Um, things like rape and murder are going on apace. But um, people writing rude words on the back of cars has been a huge drop in that, thanks to, <laughs> thanks to serious policing. Yes, a US State Department survey alleged this week that crime in Britain was greater than in America. The report made a special comparison between Birmingham, England, and Birmingham, Alabama. A spokesman for the Alabama city admitted that they had a far higher murder rate than the English counterpart, but pointed out they had never been responsible for a single episode of Crossroads. <laughs> so, two points to Alan, and the scores at the end of round one are, inevitably, everybody, four points. Let <clears throat> me start round two with a clipping from the Harrogate Herald. Customers at the boot store in Harrogate might have noticed the staff looking rather smart recently. Manager Sue Fieldhouse said... The new uniform is quite a departure from the old. We'll be wearing combinations of lilac, white, green and navy blue. <laughs> Thanks to Helen Brandom of Harrogate for that. Jeremy, why have prices peaked for a wound with a view? I don't know. Do you know, Linda? Yeah. Linda's making some notes for me. Everyone's been very kind to me. <laughs> suffragette. Suffragette. How's that suffragette? Surrog Harrogate. Surrogate mother. Oh, actually, no, it is because I put two Fs in it, haven't I? Doesn't it? <laughs> Surrogate, doesn't it? Surrogate mothers Surrogate. is the answer. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. They're going to be cheaper, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not. Ten thousand pounds expense. You can't have ten thousand pounds expenses for carrying a fetus about. <laughs> Get a kid for six quid. Absolutely. You get him at five weeks before he comes to term, but you then have a grow bag and... Uh, <laughs> I'm sure Frank Dobson will send round uh, a cold frame you can put over it. And... Well, I'll give one point to Linda and one point to Alan. Yes, it was government plans to limit the amount surrogate mothers can earn for their services. One surrogate insisted she'd earned her £10,000 fee after spending nearly five hours screaming in total agony, and that was just the conception. <laughs> Linda, which PC is finally trying to be PC? This is uh, the Chief Constable of Manchester, who said uh, it's an extraordinary thing. He said that the police force 
is uh, institutionally racist. I'm never quite sure the difference between ordinary racism and institutional racism. I suppose one's indoors and one's outdoors. Institutional means that the police have parties to celebrate their racism. With with Bernard Manning and Mm. everything, yeah. So he said that, and Paul Condon's uh, completely outraged and said, this is complete rubbish, we are not racist, I should know I'm black. (laughs) He's very upset about it. He said, the Babylon not racist char. (laughs) So that's the answer to that one. The Chief Constable of Greater Manchester, David Wilmot, said that racism was endemic in his force. Senior officers were angered by the suggestion that they especially discriminate against blacks and Asians, pointing out that they're not afraid to give the odd Irishman a good seeing to as well. (laughs) Black people are being encouraged to report racist officers, but many find it difficult, since all policemen look the same to them anyway. (laughs) Oliver, listen to this. You got no money, you got no Oliver, who eyes up a way of reinventing the wheel? I know, two points to me. Is this something to do with this awful millennium thing? Yes, it is. Uh, It's the Ferris wheel for the millennium. The Krauts, Krauts calling money. They are, are they? The Germans always wanted to be just that high above London. And then the Hindus are going into the... uh, Hindus Hindus doing spirituals. Hindus are all right. The other lot, the Axis powers who are taking over our... (laughs) Very sweet. The Italians will run it backwards and they'll all be... (laughs) immensely happy, I'm sure. Yes, did did anything actually happen to affect the Millennium Wheel this week? Uh, The crowds put money in it. I know it's not going to be ready for the millennium. It's not going to be called the millennium wheel. It's going to be called, I shall be getting straight from the suppliers first thing Monday morning wheel. <laughs> it's not going to be finished. But the, the other thing, of course, is the Hindus putting money into the spirit zone, which is good, because you don't want Christians doing the food in the dome. <laughs> we want poppadoms and bargees and things, don't we? Proper English stuff, not all the whole thing. <laughs> Christian rubbish like homemade jam and scones. And... There'd be so much cheap gear in car boot sales after the millennium, isn't there? All these sort of things that aren't quite ready. <laughs> millennium wheel never used. Delays to the construction of the 450-foot wheel have been caused by structural problems, a strike by contractors, and the difficulty in finding two 50-foot hamsters to power it. <laughs> So two points to Oliver and one point to Linda and Jeremy. Alan, which dull old stick won't be in the house this autumn? This is Silverstick, who is one of 14 people being dropped by the Queen and one one of those who walks backwards. He's not going to be allowed to walk backwards anymore. It's about the state opening of Parliament. I don't know what he did. I don't know what you do with the silver stick with the Queen in front of you. um, (laughs) He must have some kind of a job. Uh, I thought it was about Edward Heath. Dull old stick. (laughs) Haven't they asked him to stand down, Bexley? Yes. Yeah, yeah. You can't stand down, though, can you? You can only roll slightly. <laughs> it's because the Queen has to wait too long, isn't it? In, in the state opening of Parliament, while whoever is Black Rod has to go and get the MPs out of all the bars and brothels and bring them in. <laughs> and so the Queen's looking a bit fidgety, and there's quite a lot of accidents happening among the hereditary peers. Is that a prostate also, joke? <laughs> You're supposed to be prostate before the Queen, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> 
think also the Queen's a bit embarrassed because it's 10 o'clock in the morning. She's in an evening frock and tiara. Yeah. Someone's been out all night. <laughs> There's spare drawers in her handbag. <laughs> Buckingham Palace has confirmed that this year's state opening of Parliament will go ahead in a cut-down form, including the omission of functionaries such as Silver Stick in waiting and the cap of maintenance. That was another chap. <laughs> no, but the Queen Juliana has the Dutch cap of maintenance. <laughs> Okay, the scores at the end of round two are excitingly enough. Jeremy and Linda with eight, but Alan and Oliver just in the lead with nine points. We start round three with a cutting from the Hull Daily Mail. Persistence is the key to ridding a Hull residential area of prostitution and curb crawlers, a senior police officer said today. Over an initial three-month period, a large number of officers will be in the area, along with a mounted section. <laughs> Mr Peter Abram of Hull for sending us that. Jeremy, whose thought processes might replace their word processors? This is this thing, isn't it, that you can run a computer with your mind. They've done this with people who are, who are um, bedridden. And now they can get Radio 4 without a radio. No, they, um, they, uh, they put things in your head and then what you're thinking appears on a computer screen, which has potential embarrassment written all over it. <laughs> and the nurse is leaning across you and up on the screen it says, you know that bit in the singing detective? <laughs> it's actually rather marvellous because it's helping people who are paralysed and I think it's extremely poor taste that I'm making these jokes about it on the rather trivial radio programme. <laughs> Millennium bug. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Linda, listen to this piece of music. Linda, why is it good to talk to tots? Oh, yeah, it's one of these things about babies, isn't it, now? Um, there's always something new about babies. <clears throat> there used to only be one thing about babies, which was don't put your thumbs through the soft bit on the top. That was the only <laughs> thing. You needed to know about babies was that, because they're like, they're like a coconut. There's two spots that don't work, don't go through, and one that goes straight in. <laughs> <laughs> But now there's just all sorts of things you have to know about babies. And one of them is you have to talk to them, apparently, uh, because it makes them cleverer. I don't, oh, I don't know, I've got friends with babies, and I don't think they need anything else to worry about with babies, because they're already, when they come round your house, it's like this big articulated lorry with all the baby's stuff has to come in. It's like having Emerson, Lake and Palmer around your house. <laughs> so, yeah, this is a new thing to worry about with babies. Talk to them, they'll be clever. Of course, if your genes are rubbish, you might as well, you know, be Marcel Marceau, so. <laughs> That's rubbish. It's all environmental. It's all nonsense. You can only inherit a certain amount. You can inherit male pattern baldness from your mother's father, but not a tendency to fight in the First World War. <laughs> Oh, 
Experts believe that talking to your baby, even as an infant, can boost his intelligence. Children of families who took part in an academic survey had much higher IQs than those plonked in front of the telly all day, though the former group were found to be lacking in basic, essential knowledge, such as who Grant was two-timing Tiffany with this week. Parents in the experiment were recommended to talk to their babies for up to 30 minutes a day. Inane chatter didn't count, so they couldn't just leave the baby listening to the moral maze. <laughs> Oliver, who pontificated on the box? Oh, the Pope. <laughs> wow. He um, did a phone-in, first-time caller. <laughs> Vatican City. Just an ordinary member of the papacy. Um, <laughs> I think it was to celebrate how many years he'd been Pope. I was in Rome last week, though, funny enough, and Why I did you? see the Pope. Did you? I did. He was on a Lambretta. He nicked me handbag. <laughs> <laughs> he's ever so little. He's like a little glove puppet when you see him. Tiny. All famous people are tiny. No bigger than your thumb. <laughs> they call him famous the... people-ina. <laughs> <laughs> was in an audience with Linda Smith. Sort of. Oh, he didn't see me. He does a turn of, of a Wednesday um, at uh, St. Peter's. He's out in the... He likes a big room. He does, he does actually do little kind of warm-up type jokes because he's sort of... Is anyone even from Switzerland? <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful place. Go there often. No, it's lovely. Be good to your parents. They've been good to you. And he does, just does this sort of turn, really. It's a bit like Jerry Springer, is it? <laughs> Popes who love to be infallible too much. <laughs> the women who love them. Pope John Paul II rang an Italian TV chat show which was celebrating his 20th anniversary. Vatican officials deny that the Pope dialed the wrong number despite the show star insisting that when he picked up the phone, the pontiff asked for two super supremes and a garlic bread. Alan, who ordered Get Out of My Restaurant for starters? Oh, right. Uh, this is the restaurant critic... Adrian Gill, who went into Ramsay's restaurant with Joan Collins. And because Adrian Gill had written up Ramsay's restaurant rather badly, he was asked to leave, of which several of Joan Collins' faces fell, I understand. <laughs> uh, and they had to go. There's a vogue for butch chefs, isn't there? Because it's actually rather merry to be a chef. So all these people, all these chefs, like to be posed in moody black and white shots with steak tenderizers looking... <laughs> dead tough and they've started cooking all these butch dishes like veal cooked in its own fear and things like that. <laughs> Mr Ramsay sought to placate Joan Collins as she left. He assured her that when she overheard a waiter telling another table the ham is off, he was referring to the prosciutto. <laughs> Adrian Gill says that as usual he booked into the restaurant under a false name, though he now concedes that Michael Winner probably wasn't the best one to use. <laughs> So the scores at the end of round three are Jeremy and Linda with 12, but Alan and Oliver just clinging to the lead with 13 points. <laughs> and before we start the final round, here's a clipping from a Kent newspaper. Dummy airdrome fooled the enemy, but bombs that fell during the Second World War are probably still there. Maurice Kearson can remember clearly falling near his home and failing to explode. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Clive Lawrence of Gillingham for that. Jeremy, listen to this.
That was Paul McCartney and the Frog Chorus. Who's jumping for joy over his nine Swedish girlfriends? Oh, it's not Paul Frogs, then? Yes, it is. Oh, it is Paul Frogs. Paul Frogs are an endangered species. And they've, they've found this out because there's none left. <laughs> oh, they sing, that's right. They don't croak. Well, they've well, all they croaked, croaked, except this one. <laughs> <laughs> They're bringing nine Swedes over yeah. to give it a bit of a scene to, and yeah. it's going to... Uh, it's going to do what frogs do. Organised by Anglian water, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, I'm not drinking any more of that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> is that true about Swedes, then? That they're a bit, you know, a bit up for it? <laughs> yes, nine <laughs> Swedish frogs with a sunbed and a large jar of KY jelly. Can you imagine it? <laughs> London Airport, Thursday. <laughs> Seven McDonald, news at ten. <laughs> They know it's English, isn't it? They thought it was originally from somewhere else, and they've proved that it is definitely English, because instead of croaking, it goes very mild for the time of year. <laughs> it's good at putting a brave face on things and taking cuttings from geraniums. <laughs> is that right? I don't know, I may be wrong. When you have a bath, Jeremy, put the cold in first. <laughs> The single frog left is currently being kept in a secret location among the fens of East Anglia, reducing the risk of outside interference, but increasing its chances of dying of boredom. <laughs> so the first animal in East Anglia ever to have bred with something from outside the area. <laughs> Linda, who gave Britain their independence? Oh, the CIA yes. did, uh, which was nice of them. There's a thing on the internet. The CIA have, have published all these facts about Britain, and one of them is that we became independent in 1801, apparently. Until then, we were under the heel of Luxembourg. <laughs> and that, uh, oh, all kinds of things about Britain. It's liveliest in Mardi Gras time, and um, <laughs> we were colourful but simple folk. Um, <laughs> Bubbies on bicycles, two by two. Real pea supers. Mm. Looks, that's no place for a gentleman like yourself, Mr. Hogger. Indeed, it ain't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm a good girl, I am. <laughs> the CIA went... Funny how they never managed to kill Castro, really, isn't it? With that sort of information. <laughs> Look out for a tall, clean-shaven, blonde man who hates the girls. <laughs> yes, the CIA website on the internet, billed as a world fact box, was full of basic errors. According to one item of information, Britain was declared independent in 1801. The CIA apologised, regretting any embarrassment this may have caused the British people and their leader, William Pitt. <laughs> The CIA is renowned for making a mess of its operations. They once tried to get rid of Fidel Castro by sending him a box of exploding cigars. Fortunately, for all concerned, none of them found their way back to the White House. <laughs> Two points to Linda. Oliver, who refused to feel sheepish about their fair-dodging fiddle? Ah, yes. Um, farmers in the Hebrides got cut-price ferry fares to the mainland if they popped a couple of sheep in their car. And uh, so they go over, sheep, leave their sheep with a friend, and then go off on holiday to Barbados. <laughs> <laughs>
Ramsgate. <laughs> Utoxeter. <laughs> wouldn't work in the ferry to France because the sheep would just be burnt at customs. <laughs> be a very good friend to leave your sheep with him for a fortnight, wouldn't you? <laughs> very lonely in the Highlands. Hebridean Islanders have been caught trying to pull the wool over the eyes of a ferry firm since the company introduced a vastly reduced fee for anyone taking their livestock to market on the mainland. Crofters have been boarding ferries with as little as one sheep in the back of the family saloon, so saving £140 on the journey. A spokesman for the company said that the idea of a reduced tariff for livestock had been inspired by the new low super saver fare on Virgin Rail. <laughs> a spokesman for the Island Council at first dismissed suggestions that islanders have been taking sheep on holiday, <laughs> but changed his mind when he came across a flock of lambs with, my ram went to Octomuchi and all I got was this lousy T-shirt. <laughs> Before he revealed the final scores, let's see what cuttings the teams have brought along. Jeremy. This Simon was sent in by Alan Reed of Wigan from some newspaper in Wigan called The Reporter. And it says, Cleaner persons required for Ashton in Makerfield area. <laughs> <laughs> this cutting was sent in by a Mr Stem of Hampshire from the Corrections and Clarifications column of The Guardian. In an article headed, Knowing Me, Knowing You, Knowing Nicole Kidman in the Nude, It's Fame, page 22 yesterday, we referred to Charles Spencer's review in the Daily Telegraph of the Blue Room at the Donmar Warehouse. The vision of Miss Kidman, with her hand in her knickers, we learn, will haunt my fantasies for months. We were getting carried away. What Mr Spencer actually said was, the vision of her with a fag in one hand and her knickers in the other... <laughs> That's knickers in hand, not hand in knickers. <laughs> Apologies. Oliver. Thanks to Ted Shepherd from the Shropshire Star, this is. The annual report from the police chief of Dufford Powers claimed that most people who die in road crashes in mid-Wales are satisfied with the way the police handle the situation. <laughs> Alan. Well, mine is uh, Return to East Anglia, Simon. It's from the Ipswich Advertiser. It says, at last Tuesday's meeting of the Alton Conservative Future Sailing Club, formerly the Alton Young Conservative Sailing Club, the result of a member's ballot to name their new dinghy was announced. The Maggie received six votes, the William Hague, seven votes, but the winner, with 18 votes, was the Teletubby. <laughs> Now let's look at the final scores, which are Jeremy and Linda, 15 points, but Alan and Oliver, clear winners this week with 18 points. <laughs> we leave you with an item seen in the booklet Beautiful Wales, sent in by Derek Hines of Tunbridge Wells. What Abersoch and Aberdaeron have in neatness and style, Pucheli makes up for in at least having a history, being granted a charter by the Black Ponce in 1355. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, goodbye. Taking part in the news quiz were Alan Corran, Jeremy Hardy, Linda Smith and Oliver Pritchett. The chairman was Simon Hoggart and the news is read by me, Charlotte Green. 
The chairman's script was written by Dave Cohen, Tom Jameson and George Poles. And the producer was John Rolfe.